Welcome to Paranormal Fables, a podcast where we take inspiration from ghost stories, urban legends and folklore to concoct our own campfire tales. Each episode, we take inspiration from a certain topic and write these tales using that as a base. Once we've written these tales, we light a campfire, make ourselves comfortable on our long seats or camping chairs if we remember. With our drinks in hand, we pass our tales to the other to read. In this episode, we'll be using goblins as our inspiration and base for our tales. Goblins are a creature commonly found in folklore and fantasy literature and are often depicted as a small, mischievous and ugly creature, known for its cunning nature and penchant for causing trouble. So, last time it was you that read the first story and then I read the second one. Now, I, I happen to know that you spent quite a while writing writing this goblin tale, so I'm quite interested to see where this, this takes us. I, I, quite, I quite like goblins, really. I remember I, I made a D&D character one time, that was a, a goblin sorceress, and I and I had a lot of fun with that. So, to be fair, I have no idea about D and D. To be honest, it's uh, not something I've played. But I have spent a long time on this tale. Mm-hmm. I think when was the last episode we released was oh, back in, a while ago now. I think it was like the end of June, yeah. and I've spent a since then writing this tale. Mm-hmm. It is close to ten thousand words, I think. I think so. Originally, it was supposed to be what, like two, two to three thousand, and then it's just you just found it just kept going. Oh, there are there are stories where you you can feel it when you're writing that it's just going to be a long one. You couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. I had to. <laughs> I had to keep pushing it. And it, to be fair, the story itself is set up kind of like a world that we can d- delve into with these characters. Yeah. So I think that's a good point in that, but. I'm going to see how well that you read this story. So here you go, sir. Right, let's have a look at this. It's called Scraggle the Goblin. Right, so without further ado, let's get going. Prepare yourself for a bone-chilling tale about good versus evil, about the mischievous versus the righteous. Now sit back and enjoy this tale passed down from father to son, from mother to daughter, about a very malevolent goblin that still resides in these very woods, named Scraggle. It was a very excitable Friday evening in the small village of Fernswick, as travellers from all over had made their way to the local inn, ready for the village market the following day. The inn was bustling and overcrowded as locals, traders and travelling merchants tried to find a space to enjoy a flagon of ale and a nice meal. Many having been turned away, as the line wrapped around the front of the building. The blacksmith, John, however, always had a table reserved in the corner by the fire, as the blacksmith was one of the most important people in the village, because without him, everything else which requires the use of metal tools would come to a standstill. It was here that John sat with his young apprentice Samuel, after a long day slaving over the forge, repairing tools, and creating items himself to be sold on his stall at the market. Ah, just what I needed after being by the forge all day, John exclaimed to Samuel, slamming his tankard down on the table and patting the young lad on the back. The irony was not lost on Samuel, as they had sat by the roaring fireplace. Have we got any orders left to do tomorrow? asked the young lad, hoping there weren't his hands still a bit sore and raw from working the bellows all day. After the work we've put in, 
Not a single one. If all goes well, all you'll be doing is selling those items on the store. Basically a day off for you, replied John, as he waved down the innkeeper for another drink. As the older gentleman, clearly tired and exhausted with how busy the evening was, brought over another two ales, Samuel's breath was taken away, as behind the innkeeper, coming through the door to the inn, was one of the most beautiful girls he had seen in his life. Peering his head around the older gentleman, as the drinks were placed on the table, Samuel didn't want to lose sight of whoever this young woman was. Her blonde hair hung delicately over her shoulders, and a soft smile emerged on her face as she caught Samuel looking towards her. "'That all for you, gents?' asked the innkeeper, standing up tall after leaning over. "'That'll do us for now. We'll let you get back to it. We can tell you run off your feet,' replied John, already taking a gulp from the fresh flagon in front of him. "'Excuse me, Magnus,' Samuel politely and quietly asked. Magnus, being the innkeeper's name and not wanting John to overhear what he wanted to ask, "'Who's that girl over there by the wooden post?' Magnus's head turned and then returned to Samuel with a knowing grin. Leaning down, he replied quietly in his ear, "'That is Miss Freya Ashford. She's Lady Moonstone's apprentice, the travelling mystic. A little word of advice. Tread carefully with her.' Magnus then turned and returned to his duties for the night. Leaving Samuel a little red-faced, he watched as she moved off in the opposite direction and was engulfed by the large crowd of people. Samuel and John continued to relax for the rest of the evening, enjoying the slight warmth from the fire, their bellies full after a meal from Magnus, and music and singing coming from the other side of the inn, the softest and sweetest singing voice making it to his ears. The fire and music had died down, and the moon was high in the sky above the village by the time John and Samuel left, waving to Magnus as they did. John shouted back in his inebriated state, See you tomorrow night to the market for another late one. Samuel stayed quiet as he was concentrating on not dropping his mentor, as he slowly and carefully led him back to his house next to the forge. By the time Samuel had meandered John back to his house and into his bed, he himself was knackered, before making his way back to his house, where he lived with the rest of his family. He made sure everything was okay before he left and started on his own journey home, locking the door behind him as he left. A slight mist had rolled in at this point, flowing and rolling over the ground from the forest, encapsulating Samuel's legs as he walked across the marketplace. The quietness of the night was disrupted by the clanging of metal hitting the stone-laid ground and the scarpering of footsteps away from the area, as if a small animal, like a cat, had accidentally knocked something over and darted in a random direction away from the noise. What the hell was that? Intrigued by what was the cause of the sound that could have been made, he made his way over to where the noise came from. Hello? Anyone there? he called out. The only source of light being the beams of moonlight shining down and reflecting off the mist underfoot. There was no response as he slowly and carefully put one foot in front of the other, edging closer and closer to one of the market stalls already prepared for the following day. No response came. Maybe I should call out again, 
Just to make sure, he thought to himself. Anyone there? And again, no response. As he got to the market stall, he placed his sweaty hand on the wooden tabletop and peered over it to see a metal tankard on the stone ground. He reached over and picked it up, placing it back on top of the stall. I wonder what caused this to fall off. As he was thinking this, he heard the same pitter-patter of quick footsteps coming from behind him. Quickly, Samuel turned around now, looking towards the forest. With its large, tall trees cloaked in darkness as they blocked the moonlight in front of them, blanketing the area in shadow and darkness. What's that? He spoke out loud as he saw the outline of a small creature quickly making its way into the forest and the cover of the trees. The strange thing about the creature that caused him to think he had imagined the whole thing was the fact the small creature was running on two legs and had pointy ears. I think it's time for me to get to bed, Samuel said to himself as he finally made his way back home without any more incidents. Enjoying the warmth of the dying embers of the fire and finally the comforting feeling of his bedsheets as his head hit his pillow and sleep took him over. The banging of pots and pans startled him from his sleep as he opened his eyes to his mother standing in his bedroom doorway clanging them together. Ah, oh, I'm awake, I'm awake, he replied, sleepily brushing the sleep from the corners of his eyes and pushing himself up the bed to fit upright against the backboard. Why does she always wake us up like that? He moaned to himself as he stirred from the bed and started to get ready for the long day ahead. Once he was dressed, he made his way over to a bowl filled with cold water placed in front of an old mirror whose edges had corroded slightly, giving it a tinge and slight discoloration. Looking into it, he realized how messy his face and hair were. Deciding to wash his face with the cold water, to also help himself wake up. Cupping the water in his hands, he splashed it onto his face, the temperature refreshing and shocking at the same time. Finally, he dunked his head, submerging himself under the water, and just as quickly his head had entered the water, he just as quickly brought his head back up, water droplets flying in all directions, detaching from the strands of his hair. Looking back into the now water droplet-covered mirror, he drew his hand through his hair, slicking it back and removing the stubborn stray strands. Happy and awake now, he made his way into the kitchen, where his mother had prepared breakfast for the whole family. Though because Samuel had woken later than the rest, they had all head off to their jobs or apprenticeships, leaving Samuel alone with his mother to eat whatever leftovers he could scrounge together. He sat himself down at the table, the plates and bowls a mess as they had been passed around, Ugh, is there anything even left? He sighed heavily, the rumbling in his stomach growing in intensity. The look of disappointment on his face as he looked across the emptiness, only scraps of bacon, sausage, egg and toast left, barely crumbs on the plates. Seeing the look of disappointment on Samuel's face, a light smile appeared on his mother's face as she turned towards him. Don't worry, dear. I saved you a bit of everything bringing him a plate that had been hidden behind the brick wall on the range top and placing it in front of him as a smile now beamed upon his face, causing a warm feeling inside his mother's chest. Thanks, Mom! Samuel exclaimed 
as he tucked in eagerly to the full plate of food in front of him. Clearing the plate of all remnants of food, Samuel rose from his seat and hugged his mother goodbye for the day, before heading off to the forge and John's house to get ready for the market. Samuel arrived at the forge as the morning sun just passed the tops of the thatch roof of the houses and John immediately put him to work, moving items from where they were stored in the far corner of the workshop to the stall, making sure they were all there and presented nicely before the market began. Moving the items was heavy work as the cast and hammered metal armaments weren't light, as he carried maybe one or two items at a time over to their stall. All were heavy. Some items were intricate and delicate. John showed off his skill as a blacksmith, and these items bring in a pretty penny more than the regular items. The rest of the morning went without incident, as Samuel spent this time persuading and selling some of the items on display, and then adding more inventory that he had stored under the stall, when a space on top became available. Samuel had discovered from his morning that he had quite a silver tongue, managing to sell four of the five higher-value items, meaning they had already made a tidy profit for the day's endeavours. Samuel relaxed a bit after he realised this, and for the next hour until lunchtime, his gaze wandered over quite frequently to Lady Moonstone's tent, nestled between two other stalls, selling pottery and jewellery, on the other side of the marketplace. The tent was weathered by years of use, and there were a few not very noticeable patchwork fixes in some of the bottom parts of the fabric, and in some of the corners. The urban green coloured fabric, with its golden trimmed edges, gave the tent a sort of regal forest feeling, and this seemed to bring in many customers from what Samuel had been observing. Quite a few couples had entered together and come out with happy smiles on their faces, as well as some single patrons. I'll have to see what that's all about once I get a break from here. John should be coming to watch it for a bit, and he should be impressed with how much I've actually sold. He'll have to make more stuff next year. With that, Samuel was distracted by another customer asking about the final high-valued item, a beautifully crafted dagger with etchings and engravings on the blade and hilt, resembling an almost story-like telling of a battle that had taken place nearby over 200 years ago and had become part of the local legend. The blade wasn't just merely decorative, it was also incredibly sharp, as Samuel demonstrated to the customer as it cut through a thick leather strap like it was a hot knife going through butter. With that, he had just sold the final high-value item, as he noticed John making his way over to the stall to check in on him. So, Sam lad, how are you getting on here? Sell anything? He asked, before noticing a relatively bare stall. Well, I've shifted most of it. All the expensive items have gone. Just have what's left on the tabletop. Bloody hell, lad. Well done. You've definitely exceeded my expectations and earned yourself a well-deserved break, John said with a wide grin on his face. Go on, lad, and have some fun, he added as Samuel sprinted off to the other stall to have a look round while John tended to the stall as another customer arrived. Samuel browsed the other stalls, realising most of the products available were well and truly out of his price range. Being an apprentice, he wasn't paid much as he was learning from his mentor, but once his apprenticeship was completed, he would be able to forge his own living 
and a higher wage. So, for now, he was happy with what he had. He was learning quickly under John's mentorship, and he'd have all the skills he needed in just a few more years, and the regular in-visits paid for by John weren't bad either. So, as Samuel continued to peruse the stall, daydreaming of items he would buy in the future, his gaze kept returning to the regal forest tent and the patrons that entered and left. Intrigued by the amount of customers Samuel found himself, walking over to the tent and making his way inside, into a place removed from the hustle and bustle outside, and immensely quieter. The inside of the tent was a stark contrast to the outside. It was dimly lit by a few candles on candlesticks on the centre table, and the few rays from the flames flickered around the room. The walls are draped in an amethyst-coloured fabric with the same gold trim along the edges. The same candlelight sparked up the fabric, giving the room a magical and mystical feeling. There was an overwhelming smell of incense, produced by two large pots filled with sand in the far corners, along with four thin incense sticks in each, all of them smouldering away with delicate wisps of smoke, adding a hazy look to the space. Samuel's eyes widened when he saw Lady Moonstone's apprentice standing patiently in the corner. A slight smile appeared on her face as she saw him standing there, looking confused by the entire environment. Freya moved over to Samuel, taking his hand in hers, and whispered in his ear, So, what brings you into this tent? I... I don't know, really. I was curious, really, why lots of people were coming in here, he stammered a reply. Well, I, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised by your experience. Don't worry. Lady Moonstone doesn't bite. She'll just read your future. Whatever you have questions about. She whispered again to him as she led him to a chair in front of the table, covered by an amethyst-coloured cloth. Just as Samuel was seated, Lady Moonstone entered and took a seat opposite him. The seat was opulent and was meant to add to the theatrics of the tent, giving her a powerful spiritual presence, causing the customers to listen to what she had to say with a sense of authority. Looking across at the young man in front of her, Lady Moonstone spoke softly, causing Samuel to relax slightly. The tension in his back and shoulders dissipated. So, young man, what have you come to ask me today? Maybe about whether you'll become rich and powerful, or is it love that you are truly seeking answers for? Maybe a loved one who has passed beyond the veil, and you wish to communicate? Looking at him quizzically, reading his mannerisms as he answered her truthfully, I don't know, really. I'm not looking to be rich or powerful or communing with the spirits. I just come in to see what this was all about, really. His palms were sweaty now. He was fidgeting with them under the table. A general read, then. One that could answer questions you didn't even know you had. She spoke as she revealed a pack of cards and set them on the table. These cards were unlike any Samuel had seen before. They weren't like the ones he had seen and used in the inn to play cards with the others. These had no real numbers on them, no suits and no real kings or queens. They were just imbued with different images he didn't understand. These, my dear, are tarot cards, 
and will help us uncover what the future has in store for you. As she spread the cards face down on the table, and then moved them back into the deck, giving them to Samuel and asking him to shuffle. Samuel complied, shuffling them and handing them back to the woman sitting across from him. All the while, Freya looked on, curious as to what Lady Moonstone would uncover from this ordinary young man. Although Freya was mostly intrigued about the love part of the reading, in the brief moments she had shared with the young man, she liked him, but she couldn't put a finger on why just yet, and planned on getting to know him a bit more before they left the village and travelled to the next one. Lady Moonstone placed three cards horizontally out on the table, face down, and explained, This is a simple past-present-future read. These cards will enlighten you through these periods. As we turn them over, I will describe the significance of each, and hopefully it will make any questions you have clearer. With this, she looked into Samuel's eyes and turned over the first card, the Eight of Pentacles. This card indicates a strong dedication and commitment to your endeavors. The card signifies the effort you have put into your work, with often meticulous attention to detail and a desire for mastery. It reflects a period of focused energy and perseverance that has contributed to your achievements and skill development. Samuel was taken aback by this. He had worked tireless nights and early mornings, learning and going over all the skills he needed to become a master blacksmith. Shall we move on to the next card? Lady Moonstone asked. Seeing the surprised look on Samuel's face, she was used to it. Many people had the exact same expression on their faces during their first reading. Yes, tell me more, he asked inquisitively. She turned over the second card, indicating his present. The Two of Cups. This card symbolizes a deep and meaningful connection with someone special. This card signifies the potential for a loving relationship or a significant emotional bond to enter your life. It suggests a mutual understanding, harmony, and the possibility of partnership. Be open to embracing love and nurturing connections that bring joy and fulfillment. Lady Moonstone, after deciphering this card, looked to her assistant. Freya, throughout this reading, had been paying close attention to Samuel and the cards being drawn, and with this particular card she had smiled, dimples appearing on her face as she did, and her cheeks turning a slight shade of red. Lady Moonstone had never seen her assistant react in this way before to a customer, getting a reading. Over the last four years, through numerous villages and countless customers, she wondered to herself as to who this patron could be. Samuel, on the other hand, had a confused look on his face. He didn't have any meaningful connections with any of the girls in the village. His brothers had mocked him relentlessly about it as he focused more on work than his social life. The only person he could think about and came to mind was standing in the corner to his left, and he was too nervous to turn his head and look at her. Well, should we move on to the final card? One that involves your future, Lady Moonstone asked, relieving Samuel slightly and lowering his nerves. Continue. I'd like to know what my future has in store, he pronounced, compelled now to know what the future had in store for him. Turning the third card over, 
Lady Moonstone looked slightly confused. The Justice Card. Taking a moment to process this, she continued. This card represents fairness, balance, and the resolution of conflict. It suggests that a significant ethical dilemma or decision will arise in your life, requiring careful consideration and weighing of options. This card encourages you to seek truth and make choices based on integrity and moral principles. She didn't show a look of confusion often, but looking at the innocent young man in front of her and the decision he would ultimately have to make simply baffled her. I'll have to keep my eye on him, she said to herself. The same look of confusion was all over Samuel's face as well. Oh, what decision? I'm just a blacksmith's apprentice, he thought to himself. The moment was interrupted by screams and shouting from outside the tent. Jumping to his feet, Samuel rushed out of the tent with Freya close behind, leaving Lady Moonstone to contemplate the reading. Exiting the tent, the two were met with people in a panic. Two of the stalls on the right-hand side had caught with fire, with people running to and from the well with buckets of water to try and put them out. On the other side of the marketplace, three stall owners were arguing over missing money, the shiny coins having disappeared, each accusing the other of stealing. It was while all this confusion was going on that Samuel caught a glimpse of the small creature he had seen late last night. Maneuvering between and underneath the other stalls on the far side, he was still not able to get a clear view of it, only seeing the large pointed ears protruding from the side of its head as it ducked under a stall to hide from a villager running to help deal with the fires. As the man ran past, Samuel watched as the long wiry arm and hand yanked a coin purse from the man's waist with its bony fingers and long claw-like nail. That! That's what caused this! Samuel insisted, and he pointed over to where the creature was, showing Freya where to look. There's nothing over there, she replied, not seeing what he was pointing at. Just wait and watch. Just then, the small creature could be seen poking its head from underneath the stall, looking from left to right, and with the coast clear, speedily making its way back towards the forest, with no one the wiser of its presence, or so it thought. What the hell was that? Freya had a look of bewilderment as she asked. I have no clue, but I think I know someone we can ask. Who? Someone who knows all about the mystical and spiritual, came his response as he looked at Freya. Lady Moonstone doesn't know anything about creatures. She's a mystic. She only reads people's futures, Freya spoke matter-of-factly. Well, do you have any better ideas? No, came her meek response. I guess it's worth a try, she added. The two turned and headed back inside the tent to have the questions they now had answered. Lady Moonstone was still sitting in her opulent chair, unfazed by what was occurring just beyond the thin fabric walls, still almost lost in thought, pondering the young man's reading. Lady Moonstone, we need your help, Freya stated to her mentor, breaking her thoughts and returning the older woman to the present predicament. What is it, Freya? She responded, a bit groggy, as if she had just woken up. There's something outside that's causing chaos. How am I meant to help you with that? She looked at her apprentice quizzically. Do you know anything about creatures? Samuel chipped in, 
wanting to find out the information without a moment to waste. I've heard tales over the years, and I'm privy to certain books on the matter. Why, what is it you would like to know about? Looking at him more intently, the young man continued to surprise her. Do you know anything about a small creature about two to three feet tall, with long pointed ears on the side of its head and long bony fingers with long nails? Samuel stated out loud in great detail all he could remember of the small thing that had hidden underneath the market stall. Hmm, that depends. What was the color of its skin? You must have seen it. You've detailed the rest of its body. She asked, already narrowing down the list of creatures she had heard and read about in her mind. Um, its skin was... Its skin was like a pale, sickly grey colour, I think. Samuel replayed the moment in his mind. Well, from the sounds of it, you have a bit of a problem on your hands. Why, what is it? From what you've just described, you've seen a goblin. Mischievous, nasty little creatures, causing trouble wherever they go. After this, Lady Moonstone stood up from her seat and made her way into the back of the tent and returned a few moments later with a rather old, tattered leather-bound book and laid it on the table. Freya and Samuel looked on in disbelief as she turned the pages of the book, the creatures inside it looking like nothing the two had ever seen before many looking like they couldn't possibly exist. Lady Moonstone stopped on the page she was looking for. A large illustration formed the top right of the page. The image was of a sickly, hunched creature that looked almost identical to what Samuel had described. Amazed by this, Samuel asked, Does it tell us how to stop it? Not really caring for the creature's description and habits. Slow down! We need to know what we're dealing with, Freya chipped in, wanting to know all she could if they were going after it. Ugh, you're right. I I'm sorry, what does it say? Freya made her way closer to the book, and its yellow-tinted aged pages and started to read the contents of the page. The goblin is a creature cloaked in folklore and many fireside tales. As true, with many stories there is contained within a nugget of truth relating to this elusive and troublesome being. The goblin stands at around two to three feet tall and a thin body with long wiry limbs, matted and greasy hair descends to just above the middle of its prominent bony spine. The color of its skin can vary, as many have been witnessed in my travels with different pigmented skin, ranging from dark deep green to thundercloud gray. However, they always look sickly. They enjoy the dark and dislike the intensity of sunlight, the harsh rays aggravating their eyes. Beware their sharp fingernail-like claws, the deep wounds caused by them and the power they can attack with contradicts their weak, feeble appearance. Understand that goblins are cunning and mischievous creatures which revel in the chaos they like to inflict on others and the disarray that follows. If you go looking or hunting this creature, keep an eye out for traps and illusions, created to befuddle your mind and prevent you from reaching your intended target. The goblin itself. Goblins are normally territorial creatures that live and thrive in a tribal manner, with others of its kind. However, it has been known 
travelers have come across solitary specimens. Even if they are on their own, do not underestimate them. Good luck, whoever comes across these creatures, and may you come out the other side unscathed or victorious. With that, Freya had finished the contents of the page, turning it to see if there was more information possible on the other side, but was met with another gruesome-looking creature. That's all there is. There's no clear, detailed way how to defeat it. But it gave us a lot to consider, she added, looking at Samuel, who was now deep in thought. We need some sort of protection and weapons before we enter the forest after it. Looking at Freya for a response, to which she just nodded, and I know where we can get some. Taking Freya's hand in his, he started to lead her out of the tent, but was stopped for a brief moment by Lady Moonstone, who placed a cloth-wrapped object in his free hand. May it bring you protection, when all seems lost, she spoke to him. Samuel nodded, and with Freya in tow, exited the tent and headed toward the forge, and hopefully where John should be. Quickly making their way across the marketplace, they saw John through the large open entranceway to the forge. He was concentrating with his eyesight fixed on the burning coke. One of his hands was moving the bellows, increasing the temperature of the forge, and his others clasped the tongs which held onto something that was submerged within the glowing embers. John! John! Samuel shouted to him, trying to get his attention as they entered into the covered area. John looked up from the forge towards Samuel, still keeping the embers in his peripheral. You are right there, Sam. What can I help you with after all that commotion? Pulling the tongs from the glowing embers, a slight sparking came from the metal clasped between them, moving over to the anvil to start beating away and flattening it, cautiously making their way closer to John, making sure they were just far enough away that the sparks missed. John! This is going to sound a bit mad, but there's a goblin causing trouble in the marketplace, and it just escaped back into the forest. Samuel took a deep breath as John just looked at him with a blank expression, trying to decide whether this was a joke or if his apprentice was being serious. A goblin? He managed to respond questioningly. I know it sounds silly, but it's the truth. Just take a minute and have a look at this. Samuel nudged Freya with his shoulder as she got the hint and moved over to the workbench behind John, placing the book on top and turning to the page in question. Look here, and it'll explain some of your questions, she added, moving back to stand close to Samuel. John safely put down his tools and walked over to the table, taking his time to read through the page and the information it contained. Looking back at Samuel and Freya, he asked, So, you two think that this goblin is the cause of what just happened out there, his finger pointing out towards the marketplace. And your plan to stop it is... His eyebrow raising. We don't exactly have one, apart from going after it and trying to stop Samuel replied, his eyes looking towards the floor. Well, it definitely sounds like you need my help, then. John then walked over to Samuel and placed his hand on both his and Freya's shoulders. So... What do you need from me? He asked, as Samuel's eyes met his and lit up. Well, what do you think we'll need? He responded, scratching his head and thought. I think, by the looks of this, you'll be needing some of these. Walking over to one of the racks, 
John pulled off an armoured breastplate, a pair of steel van braces with leather straps, and some chainmail. These should help you if that goblin decides to take a swing at you. John then moved over to his worktop, where lay a knightly short sword. He picked it up by the pommel and blade tip and handed it to Samuel to marvel at its craftsmanship. Samuel wrapped his hand around its leather strap wrapped handle and held it high with one arm, admiring its relatively light weight and balance as he moved it around, pretending to stab and slash. He lifted the blade to his eye level to look at the inscription and pattern etched into the metal in the middle of the double-edged blade. In tenebris lux vincat, he read out loud. What does it mean? He looked at John to elaborate. I think it's perfect, lad, for this situation you find yourself in. It translates to in darkness may light prevail. With this, both of them nodded to each other, and John passed Samuel the scabbard, which accompanied the blade. Taking it and tightening it around his waist, he slowly and carefully placed the blade inside, the sword fitting comfortably in its scabbard. Don't think I forgot about you, young lady. John then passed her a similar set of armor. Looking at her for a moment, he silently made his way over to a locked chest in the corner. Unlocking it, he rummaged through its contents until he found what he was looking for. Turning around, he carried something wrapped in cloth. He passed it to Freya. Here you are, lass. This I think you'll use well. With that, Freya unwrapped the cloth to revile a set of daggers. They were mesmerizing, light and quick, their blades incredibly sharp. Thank you. I don't know what to say. Just use them well, responded John, patting her on the shoulder. Samuel and Freya were now ready to face whatever would be in store for them. Dressed in their new attire and with their new weapons safely stashed around their waists, the duo said goodbye and thanked John again as they set off into the marketplace and towards the edge of the forest. Following where they last saw the goblin enter into the dense scent of trees, moving the first branch out of the way and over their heads, they stepped into an environment that felt and looked completely different from the wide open one just behind them. Look there! The leaves are all moved out of the way like a trail! Freya pointed out to Samuel. Let's follow it and see where it leads us he replied, and started setting off into the direction the trail was headed, taking them further from the safety of the edge of the forest and towards the darker, gloomier interior. They followed the trail for about an hour. Their ability to tell what time of the day it was was hindered by the dense canopy of the trees above, which blocked the majority of the sunlight. All they could tell was that the sun was still in the sky. Let's stop here for a minute and just get our bearings suggested Samuel, as he pulled off a backpack John had also given him, and pulled out some slices of bread and a container of water for them both to share while they rested. How much farther do you reckon this goes? asked Freya, taking a sip of water from the container. Not much farther, I hope. I've been feeling it get steadily darker and darker. Not the actual light, but the feeling all around us. It's like a blanket of shadow. Samuel declared as he took a glance at the spaces between the trees, seeing a slight mist starting to form just ahead of them. I feel it too, responded Freya, 
looking over at the mist ahead. Putting the container back into the bag, they both set off again, heading into the mist. As they entered this part of the forest, the mist flowed over the woodland floor, slivers of this water vapour acting like tentacles, as it tried to climb higher above the ground and wrap itself around the trunks of the trees and their legs. Is it me? Or is the mist getting thicker? asked Samuel to Freya. Yeah, I think it is. I can barely see the leaves beneath our feet. With that, Freya nudged Samuel to look down. The hell? he exclaimed, as the mist was now at their waists, and he couldn't see below his knees. At least we know we're still heading in the right direction, as long as it doesn't obscure our view forwards. I feel like this is part of an illusion, to cause us to become lost within, unable to find our way and causing us to move in circles, Fair added, making Samuel stop in his tracks and think for a minute. Please, hold my hand. That way we won't lose each other if this does become what you're thinking it will. With that, Samuel held out his hand and Freya placed hers within as they both gripped each other tightly. As long as we don't make any turns, we should be okay, Freya added to help improve her companion's morale. They kept trekking forwards as the mist continued to thicken and rise, slowly turning from a mist into a fog as thick as if silt was disturbed in a once clear lake. They couldn't see each other at this point, but continued to push forwards. They could feel the other's hand in theirs, as periodic gripping of the other's hand helped them remember the other's presence. Samuel accidentally walked them both into a few trees, giving him a sore forehead and nose, but they didn't turn. He merely navigated them around it and continued on forwards. It was while they were walking that they were both surprised when suddenly Samuel's head popped out of the blanket of fog and into a clearing. He pulled Freya towards him as she too then emerged on the other side. Looking at each other and then at the wall of fog which reached high into the canopy above and enveloped the clearing forming a ring, the light levels were still dim in this area of open space, the tree leaves still not letting any of the light through. But Freya mentioned to Samuel about the light he was seeing. It's no longer daytime. All I can see through the leaves is darkness. Whatever light is visible here is moonlight, not sunlight. With both their eyes adjusting to their surroundings, they could make out a large mound on the other side of the clearing. What's that over there? asked Samuel, pointing it out to Freya. I don't know, but I think we should check it out. But we need to be quiet, she whispered back to him, as they slowly and carefully made their way over to the mound, avoiding the twigs and large branches that littered the floor. The clearing almost looked magical as they made their way through it, the moonlight cascaded down in sharp rays like a spotlight in air. Some mixed and danced above, separating into their individual channels before they hit the floor. Fireflies meandered through the darkness between the rays, making it look like they were dancing between the moonlight. If it wasn't for the fear of a goblin and the task they had at hand, they both agreed that they would happily lay in this clearing and look up, watching the dance play out. Concentrating their minds on the task at hand, they edged ever closer towards the large mound, covered in leaf litter and branches. From the first glance, it looked like nothing out of the usual. However, looking closer, they could see some smoke rising from a small chimney set next to the trunk of a tree. 
The chimney looked like a broken branch, and if it wasn't for the smoke rising out of it, nothing would seem amiss. The second thing was a circular hole in the front of the mound. At first it looked like something used by a badger, or an animal of some sort to enter and exit its burrow. But a faint glow coming from within led them to think otherwise. They both gathered around the entrance of the mound and peered inside, seeing a shadow move and block out the flickering dim light. Something is in there, whispered Freya to Samuel. Gripping the handle of his sword, he moved closer to get a good look and see if he could hear inside. What he heard shocked him. Humans are loud noises, but they have so many shiny things and lots and lots of beautiful gold. Sounds of coins being dropped into a pile followed. Straggle, let's all this, and the silly faces as they ran and argued. <laughs> the goblin laughed to itself. We'll need to go back and get more shiny things. Oh, and some food from the foolish innkeeper. Yes, yes, that sounds good. Those dim-witted humans don't even seize me. They'll never catch me. Samuel could hear it eating loudly and chomping on its food. We need to go in now, Samuel whispered to Freya. Let's go then, she responded quietly. Samuel got onto his belly and started to crawl his way into the entrance of the mound, poking his head around the corner, making sure the goblin didn't see him enter. As Scraggle the goblin looked towards the tree roots at the back of the mound, stirring something in a pot over a small fire. Taking his chance, Samuel pushed forwards into the mound with Freya behind him. The roof on the inside wasn't tall enough for him to stand upright, which hindered his movements. He carefully extended the sword from its scabbard, and with Freya watching on, pierced the sword into the goblin's back, causing the point of the sword to wedge into the trunk behind. Both Samuel and Freya were relieved they had done it without having to fully confront the goblin, and both sighed happily that it was over. But Scraggle the goblin didn't move or make a sound. Confused by this, Samuel reached out and touched Scraggle on the shoulder, causing the goblin's body to dissolve away into dust. What the hell? exclaimed Samuel, watching the pile of dust form. Both of them went quiet and turned white, as laughter started emanating from all around them. <laughs> Stupid sly humans. Struggle isn't that easy to kill. No, no, no. Must try better than that. Scraggle been watching for a long time. Scraggle planned her thing to trick little humans. Come try to find Scraggle. Scraggle will be waiting and watching. <laughs> With that, the entire mound and everything within started to dissolve into dust, falling at their feet. Damn, it knows that we're here. Samuel sighed frustratedly. What's the plan now? asked Freya, trying to come up with some ideas of her own. I don't know, but we need to lure it out into the open somehow. That's going to be our best chance. They both looked at each other, the wheels moving in their minds as they formulated a plan of action. I know what we can do. You draw its attention towards you, and I'll sneak just out of its line of sight. 
Then when you think the time's right, signal me, and I'll make my move. Samuel took a moment to see if there were any other plans he could come up with. But his mind turned up blank. Okay, I guess we'll go with your plan then. With that, Samuel moved away from Freya towards the middle of the mist train, while Freya moved off towards the edge. To make sure that Scraggle's attention was on him and not Freya, Samuel started to call out to it, taunting it. What kind of creature hides in the shadows? A weak and feeble one, I would imagine. There was no response, just silence. Samuel fought for a second and then called out again. If I was a brave and respectable goblin, I would face a young boy face to face. I wouldn't fear a human of my age. With that, the mist started to move as if the wind was blowing in a circular motion. Thank God it, Samuel thought as the mist started to move again. In front of him, the mist began to separate, revealing a stone outcrop with a pathway leading through it. If you're really as brave as you are, come to me in my real and we will see who's really cowardly, came Scraggle's voice loud and roaring. I've really got to it, Samuel chuckled to himself a little bit. He headed towards the pathway as a ray of moonlight fell upon it. There's no turning back now, he said out loud in a low voice. With that, he followed the pathway as it twisted and turned between the rocks. Freya had lost sight of Samuel as soon as he turned the first corner. Instead of following behind him and having the possibility of Scraggle noticing her, she decided to climb the stone outcrop and follow Samuel from above. From above it allowed her to see the direction the path took and revealed to her a quicker route. So she decided to travel ahead and find a place close to the goblin's lair to wait for Samuel's arrival. Samuel was only partway through the pathway. The rock walls on either side of him seemed to narrow the more he progressed, causing him to now stand up upright with his hand up in front of his chest as he shuffled onwards. This is another of Scrabble's tricks. He's trying to tire me out, so I'm an easier opponent. The crafty creature, he thought to himself as he took his time, trying not to use up all his energy as he squeezed his way toward the end of the path. By the time Samuel's hand exited the passageway, the rays of the moon had faded away, and clouds blanketed the sky above, obscuring them, plunging the forest in front of him into darkness, save for those fireflies which offered a dimly yellow glow to guide his way. He arrived at a large cave entrance. The formation of it was definitely natural, with its jagged edges of sharp-pointed rocks, with some that had fallen from above onto the ground below. It was behind one of these fallen rocks that Samuel caught a glimpse of Freya hiding out of sight. Not wanting to draw attention to her, he ignored her and carried on into the cave. The walls of the cave were periodically illuminated with dimly glowing lanterns, which only served to direct an individual. Samuel, intrigued by the lanterns, decided to take a closer look at what was the source of the faint glow. As he moved closer, he could have sworn he could see the light moving within the lantern. He detached one from the wall and removed its top. To his surprise, out flew five or six fireflies. They circled him a few times as if in thank you, and then flew back towards the outside. 
Why would someone or something trap fireflies like this? He pondered this for a moment and then remembered what Freya had read about goblins. That's right. Goblins can't stand bright lights. Fire must be too bright for it. He had his flint and steel in his backpack, but nothing to start a fire with. Damn, if only I'd paid more attention, he scolded himself as he rounded a corner and into a large cabin. Scraggle's lair, he spoke under his breath. The lair was about 100 paces in each direction in size and was littered with large rocks and boulders that had fallen from the ceiling above. The walls had the same firefly lanterns attached at periodic spacing, as well as a very large lantern hanging from the ceiling that must have contained at least 150 of the poor creatures. The large lantern, even for its great size, still only gave off a dim yellow glow that was just enough to illuminate the entirety of the cabin. Samuel moved to the centre of the cabin, right underneath the large lantern, so he could get a better look at his surroundings. It was in the corner of his eye that he noticed a faint reflective gold shimmer. He turned his head and was shocked to see a large pile of gold against the back wall of the cave. Where has it found all that gold? Or has it just been stealing from us for a long time? Samuel questioned. He'd never seen that much gold in his life. Serpent, young Florian is finally fine. What took it so long? It looks slower. <laughs> Scraggle's voice reverberated around the cavern and was impossible for Samuel to pinpoint where it was coming from. Looking around now, his head circling the cavern to find any glimpse of Scraggle. He doesn't see me, but I'm right here, came Scraggle's voice, louder this time. Samuel caught something moving in his peripheral and turned just in time to be met with Scraggle lunging through the air and taking a swipe at him with its long, sharp claws. Samuel ducked beneath Scraggle's attack, turning as he did so to watch Scraggle in front of him. He unsheathed his sword from its scabbard and pointed the tip towards the goblin. Oh, it's got its pointy metal stick out, Scraggle said out loud as it saw the sword in Samuel's hand. With that, Scraggle lunged again, but this time Samuel was ready and blocked the sharp claws as he swiped the sword in front of him, causing one of Scraggle's claws to break off and fall to the floor. <coughs> Screeched Scraggle, looking at its missing claw. Little hero pays for that. With that, the goblin scurried off into the safety of the shadows. Samuel now stood there with his sword outstretched, turning slowly, trying to predict where Scraggle would attack from. Samuel slowed his breath and calmed himself, listening carefully to the echoey cavern. The movement of some rocks on the cavern floor caused Samuel to spin around, just in time to see Scraggle leaping off one of the large stone boulders towards him. Taken back by the assault, Samuel fell to the ground with Scraggle on top of him, his sword the only thing holding back Scraggle's claws as he was pinned underneath it. It's over! You're dead meat! Scraggle wonders what human loot tastes like, Scraggle taunted. Samuel's arms were becoming tired. His strength was waning. The sharp point of one of Scraggle's claws was working its way closer and closer to his face as he tried to wriggle the goblin off his body. 
While he was wriggling, Samuel felt something slide free from his pocket. It was the cloth-wrapped gift he had been given by Lady Moonstone. Samuel outstretched his hand closest to it and reached for the cloth packet. Grasping it in his hand, he removed its wrap and then held it next to Scraggle's face. The object in his hand started to shine bright as if the sun had taken form in the palm of his hand. Scraggle cried and let out an unnatural screech, stumbling away and off Samuel's body, bringing its unnaturally thin hands with their claws up to its face to shield its eyes. Now! shouted Samuel, as Freya sprung from behind a boulder and pierced both her dagger blades into the Scraggle's back. With this, Scraggle started to flail, swinging and slicing at the air, blinded by the light. Samuel moved closer, and in one clean slice from his sword, removed the goblin's head from atop its body. Scraggle's body continued to move around erratically, as if it hadn't realized that the head was missing. Then suddenly, it stopped and just slumped down to the ground, lying motionless on the stone floor. Samuel, on the other hand, just looked at Scraggle's head, breathing heavily and taking his time to realize that he had done it. He had beaten the goblin and stopped the chaos it had caused. Freya ran over to where he stood, wrapping her arms around him tightly, relieved that he was okay. We did it, Samuel said softly between heavy breaths. I know, I can't believe it, she replied. What do we do now? She added, trying to help him change what his mind dwelled on. Shaking his head, he looked at her, and then over at the pile of gold. We'll have to let John and Lady Moonstone know that we're okay, and we've done it. Then we'll bring a horse and cart back here, to bring the gold back to town. We're going to have to ask John what we should do with it now, he stated to her. Samuel limped over to the pile and bent down, picking up five gold coins and placing them in his pocket, before Freya placed an arm around him to help support him as they walked back to town. The journey back was a lot easier now, as the rocks and mist had dissipated now that Scraggle was no more. John was hammering away at a piece of sheet metal, taking out his frustration of not joining the two young ones on their task. He lifted his head, sweat dripping from his nose, as he turned to look at the edge of the forest for any sign of his young apprentice. They had been gone for over a day, and he started to think the worst had befallen them. That's when he noticed the two young figures slowly emerging from the tree line. John dropped his tools and ran over to greet the pair. As he neared, he noticed that Samuel was placing some of his weight on Freya, and as he greeted them, wrapped his arm under Samuel's on the other side and guided them back to his forge. So, I'm guessing you did it then, said John, as he placed Samuel down on a wooden bench. We did, the two of them responded in unison. You might want to take a horse and cart and follow Freya while I have a little rest, suggested Samuel. Why would I need a horse and cart? asked John. Trust us, you will, Samuel joked as he pulled out the coins from his pocket to show John. I'll get it ready, he laughed, as he made his way outside to the stable to collect the cart. Alone now, Freya looked at Samuel as his head leaned back, staring at the rafters above. So, what now? she asked, not really wanting to go back to being Lady Moonstone's apprentice. Travel with me, Samuel suggested, half joking and half serious. Where would we go? she questioned back in the same manner. There are always places that need help with something, he said, pointing at the book Lady Moonstone had given them. You want to do that again? she asked, slightly concerned. Only if I'm doing it with you. Plus, what's the worst that can happen? He looked at her now, 
waiting for her response to his proposition. Okay then, as long as it's me and you, I know we'll be fine. With that, Samuel smiled and closed his eyes, succumbing to his fatigue. It took a few trips with the horse and cart for them to transport all the gold back to town. It was decided that for their bravery, Samuel and Freya should be given a share of the gold. Samuel gave part of his to his family to help them out and as a thank you. He and Freya then told John and Lady Moonstone of their plans to travel the world and help whenever the creatures from the book were involved. Both their mentors agreed with their decision and wished them luck on their trip. But not before John gifted them the items he had given them on their task. The same for Lady Moonstone. Samuel couldn't stop thinking about their fight with Scraggle, and all the illusions the goblin had played on them to that point. Maybe that whole fight at the end was an illusion as well, and this sneaky little goblin got away and is still out there, he thought to himself, but pushed it to the back of his mind. If Scraggle did return, he and Freya would also return to put a stop to Scraggle once and for all. With all their affairs in order, Samuel and Freya mounted their horses and set off along the long road towards their next adventure. The end. So, there we have it. There's a, a fairly uh, longer story that I wasn't sure just how long it'd take to read that out, but uh, I think based on that being just over, what, an hour long? Just, um, yeah, just, just about an hour long, yeah. I think this episode's going to be a two-parter. Um, it's going to have to be, because I don't think we could have a episode that's an hour and a half to two hours long. Yeah, at least not the first few. I mean, you know, if people clamour for that, you know, we can we can maybe work on that in the future. But I think for now, I think, you know, it's a it's a lot to to ask people to concentrate on on a story for longer than that, especially but, if we want to. Oh yeah, especially if we want to keep it going. But um, how are you? How was that story for you? How did you find it? We're getting down to the weird voices. Right there, trying to talk all around. I'm having a lot, a lot of fun. You're having a lot of fun with it. Oh, yeah. I could tell with the goblin, you were, you were very into it. You were loving it. Oh yeah. But behind, behind the scenes, little behind the scenes snippet, we took quite a while to come up with that little goblin voice. Yeah. We went from Gollum all over the place. Oh yeah, and and especially we took a few, a few different takes of kind of the laughs and like the cries of pain just to get them, them not sounding kind of weird. Oh, the figures you just kept clipping it every time you did it. <laughs> so I'm now like, please, I'm please. too excited. <laughs> we had to keep lowering the gain. But uh, yeah, so so how was how was that for you? It's like the world building kind of ish now. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's good the way with you've set that up now that um, we've include we've kind of got those two characters now um, that we can possibly come back to in the future. Not necessarily every episode, but you know we've got lots of opportunities uh, to kind of start a whole kind of universe kind of what the paranormal fables universe yes we're gonna yeah we are going to challenge marvel and dc at this rate yeah <laughs> it might take us a while but you know we'll get there but yeah no so so we've got the world building we've got these silly voices going yeah, on absolutely and this is going to be a two-parter mm-hmm. but hopefully we'll get this out before halloween yep so people can enjoy it when they're going out or on Halloween itself, they can enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, all, and all we can say is we'll see you in the next episode. Yeah. And don't forget to like, send follow us, us yeah. follow us, send us, rate us on uh, Spotify, anything, podcast. Anything you feel like spreading the word out there, you know, we really, really appreciate that. Or um, email us, 
the email should be in the description uh, and let us know what creatures you'd like us to write well us to write about um what creatures could we do in the future um what did you like or what didn't you like about it yeah. you know help us always looking for ways to improve yeah help us to grow and on that note thank you for listening and we'll see you in the next one see you next time for more paranormal fables <laughs>